Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast, sponsored by The Beer Keller, Liverpool One. Welcome back to another episode here at A View from the Bullins. I am, of course, The Bobble, and joining me is Paul Draper. Paul, we're going to have a talk about a bit of the aftermath, really. Everton drew 1-1 with Crystal Palace on Monday night, and after that game, there's been a lot of talk on social media about a number of different subjects, and we're going to try and attack them and, and talk about them as, as well as we can. The first topic is, is Sean Deitch. Sean Deitch is coming under a lot of scrutiny from Evertonians across the board, really, for the personnel selected, the system played, the style of football three home wins all season and I know you're a, you are a very very big Sean Dyche fan but do you think that the current criticism that he is currently getting do you think it's warranted we'll talk about yesterday's game Monday night's game first do you think the criticism aimed towards Sean Dyche is fair after the 1-1 draw against Crystal Palace and do you hold him to blame for such a poor performance I think the criticism is justified. I think we were together at the game. We were sat together and we both thought from the lineup, mm, I'm not, we weren't sure that that was the right lineup. I think the setup was wrong. The approach to the game was wrong. It felt like we, we allowed Palace into the game instead of going forward and maybe trying and take the game away from them early on in the, in the, um, in the game. And then, once we let Palace grow into the game and they get a bit of confidence, it's a completely different game. Obviously, then they go one 0 up as soon as you made the, the the changes, and it's just a completely kind of different game. But yeah, I think the approach from Daishastri um wasn't the correct one. I think the lineup was wrong. I think it was too pragmatic, too too um, defensive. And he should have probably 
gone a bit more for for the game, kind of take the game to Palace instead of sitting back and letting them try to attack and try and hit them on the counter because mm. this moment in time, Everton haven't got a lot of confidence and Everton can't really allow themselves to let games pass them by and try mm. and try and nick a goal here and there. Everton have just got to go and try and put teams to bed. Teams like Palace, obviously, you can't go to Man City or you can't play Tottenham and, and um, expect to go head-to-head with them. Or, well, toe-to-toe, sorry, but... Everton yesterday were really, really disappointing. I think it does start from the manager. Although I've got to say, I don't single, single-handedly blame Dice for all of it. I think, however, with the errors that I felt Dice had, Everton had enough chances to win the game, and I feel like we really need to start addressing the issue that is the the chance conversion rate. Obviously, our number nine, Dominic Carvalho, and we've. Spoke about him numerous times mm-hmm. on the yeah. on the channel. Entering his final eighteen months of his contract, he really should be playing for his contract. I think yes, the overall he had a, quite a good performance off the bottom in terms of his all round game. But you've got to start putting chances away. You've just got to mm. because if not, Everton can't afford to offer him a contract. Mm. It's it's a double edged sword, isn't it, with Sean Dyche? I mean, we 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 talk about Sean Dyche. At Goodison Park, three wins all season, not acceptable, not good enough. And we talk about him being negative and, and pragmatic and, and sometimes not brave enough to go at teams. And I certainly feel like sometimes he isn't brave enough. He doesn't kind of have the, the will to go at teams and get on the front foot. But it is a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because for all of the faults on that front in terms of the attacking style and our attacking intent, defensively, we've gone from the worst defensive team in the league to one of the very, very best within 12 months. Um, I think it's only Man City and Arsenal who have got better defensive records than Everton so far this season. Um, and I think that that's a remarkable achievement given the short space of time. I think that's a fantastic achievement. Um, but it's kind of, again, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because we sacrifice being so well-structured being so organised, so tight defensively, we, we, we then sacrifice our attacking intent, don't we? And I know Sean Dyche will turn around to the XG and the chances converted because he is a big stat man and as are some of the staff behind the scenes and they will point to that and say, well, Everton still created a host of chances in, in games, including against Crystal Palace. But I think it's there on, on the naked eye to see that Everton struggle in the final third. We do struggle. Everton are a set-piece team. Over 50% of our goals are from set-pieces. And we're a, we're a, I hate to say it, we're a long ball team, really, aren't we? We go from back to front very, very quickly, and it's normally to hit Dominic Carver Lewin. You know, twenty duels against Crystal Palace, he won seventeen. That's a remarkable stat, by the way, for all the faults that Carver Lewin's got in front of goal at the moment. To win seventeen out of twenty of his duels, fantastic effort, you know. And I've and I've I do have a bit of sympathy for Carver Lewin in terms of. I think it would be bloody hard to lead the line for Everton. I think every ball, like I've said previously, is at neck height. But the fact is, three home wins all season is unacceptable. And let's be fair, I I, I know we've got a 10-point deduction, but let's take that away. If you'd have offered us at the start of the season, you're going to be in the middle of February, lads, but you're only going to have three wins at home all season. We'd We'd have said, not a chance. That's not acceptable. And I think that's the way we have to look at it. Yes, our away form has been a lot better, but... 
our home form has got to change. It's got to change. For Everton to stay up in the Premier League this season, our home form has got to be a bit better than what it currently is. It's, it's not good enough. It's far too poor. It's weak. Teams come to Goodison and they know if they hang in there for the, for the first half, the crowd get jittery, they'll get something out of the game. Where do you sit with Sean Dyche still? We've done so many channel, podcasts on this channel in terms of, you know, I know you and Ben are big fans of, of Sean Dyche and you always advocate for him. But where, where do you currently sit with him right now? Because we're in a rotten run of form. Everton have got no momentum. No momentum at all. Let's have it right. I'm not saying sack him. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Do you think he's kind of got to go away from being so rigid and so structurally sound and be a little bit more brave going forward? Do you think he's kind of got to bite the bullet a little bit? I'm not sure if he bites the bullet and he goes a bit more braver or kind of attacking, does that then does that then equalise in we're not as solid defensively, we may shit more goals. I don't think we can afford to do that. I think our main issue really, apart from um, how, how structurally we attack, is lack of quality in the final third for me. I think if we had, uh, not even going to say like world-class attackers, just let's say if Adebayo of Luton was playing up front forever in the season, I think we'd have another what, six, seven goals from him. I think it is just, it all just boils down to a lack of quality in the earth, in the attacking areas. Personally, I, I wouldn't like to see Dice change the way that we approach games. Obviously, I would like us to attack a bit more at home when we're against the likes of Crystal Palace that are coming to frustrate us to take a point or maybe nick a goal in a set piece. The way that we would play away from home or against the the teams that want to try and keep the ball away from you in the Premier League. And Daesh himself would probably say, no, I can't, can't be changing. I won't be changing my methods because I'm having a bit of a a bit of a dodgy run. I mean, obviously, if you if we go to Brighton and let's say let's say we won then, or or even through that's one defeat in six, and that would be against Champions of the World, Man City having kept him at bay for seven. Yeah, it's four draws in five. Yeah, so I think the the positive way to look at that is we're still picking up points. Yes, whereas I think we'd all agree under Frank Lampard we were losing these games. The ones there, we're, we're grabbing we'd points. We'd probably be bottom of the table. Yeah, we weren't picking up the points. And we always say, don't we, if you're not going to win a game, don't get beat. Yeah. It, obviously, as you, as you rightly said there, if you can't win a game, don't get beat. And I think that's something that we are doing quite well now. The only thing is, is it is just frustrating. Because yesterday, really, you, you, you thought, OK, the weekend has gone... Okay for 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 us, it hasn't been perfect. Obviously, I've not gone for us one, but it's been an okay weekend. And I know, obviously, we are out of the drop zone, obviously on on a um, goal difference, but it just felt like Everton missed an opportunity to really lay down a a marker, a marker, and mm. kind of pull, try and pull away from it a bit. Obviously, yeah, we are still awaiting this. This appeal decision, never mind the second breach, we're just still awaiting everything to come from the Premier League, take over, appeal, second hearing, it's just, that that's a, a topic for another show itself, it's yeah. just, just an absolute mess, but... Were you so surprised, mate, I'm going to interject, were you so surprised just how poor this, the structure was against Crystal Palace in terms of, I said post-match, 
we looked like a team that hadn't been coached. And I, and I didn't say that lightly because under previous regimes, I think we served up some pretty pitiful performances. But you would often wonder, what are they actually doing on the training pitch? Because they don't look like they know where the, what their roles are. They don't look like they know what, what they're trying to be achieving here. And I actually didn't know. It was one of the first games under Sean Dyche where I didn't know what we were trying to achieve. I didn't know. I really, really didn't. And I felt some of that may have been down to Crystal Palace going to a back five and I think that kind of did throw a cat amongst the pigeons. We weren't expecting that. But we looked a team devoid of ideas. Surely, mate, that has to fall on the manager. He, he, he's got to help a team. And, and I, I don't care what anyone says. A manager is there to make a team, make a bunch of players better. That's what he's there to do. He's, and... They were the that's the sort of game when you watch that, and I've watched the I've rewatched the full game. You watch it and you think, "Wow, goodness me!" And that's not me shifting any blame from the players because I think they have to take responsibility as well. There's no doubt about that. When they cross that white line, they have to take responsibility and be professionals. But nevertheless, that was a game where you point at it and think, "And this is I'm not saying this, but if that was an individual game." and you didn't know the team, and you didn't know the manager, and you didn't know who they were, you would look at that set of players and go, they're not well coached. That's how bad I felt we were at times against Crystal Palace. I thought, they don't look well coached. Now, I'm not saying they're not well coached, because structurally, system-wise, primarily, I think we are quite a well-drilled team, especially defensively. We're very well-drilled. But when we get into the opposition's half... We are completely devoid of ideas. And some of that is down to a lack of quality. There's no questions about that. I get it. 100%. But the lack of quality is evident in this Everton team. That's fine. But you've got to be inventive, haven't you? And like I previously said, the constant plan A, and it's only plan A, that's what kind of grinds my gears a little bit. And I think, and I can't speak for Evertonians, of course, I think that's what grinds a lot of Everton fans' gears as well. It's the reluctance to change things up. I've said for a long time, Paul, you cannot tell me Amadou Anana cannot play football. James Garner cannot play football. Dwight McNeil, Jack Harrison, Arnaud Dandruma when fit. You cannot tell me these players are not capable of playing some nice football. Because they can some of them are international players, some of them are played in Europe, some of them have won tournaments with their with their countries. They can play football. Now, that's where I then kind of get frustrated as a fan, first and foremost, that it is plan A, and that is in reality, to bypass the midfield in games and not kind of try and attempt to play a little bit of football. I'm not asking us to play like Man City. I'm not asking that. But after 60 minutes when you've continued with your plan A, just like when we had Luton come to Goodison Park and you can see it's not working, surely now, as a gaffer, you've got to be flexible and have some sort of plan B, some joker in the pack. That's where I think Sean Dyche, in my opinion, lets himself down. It's that stubbornness. It's that rigidness. I'm not sure if you agree, and that's absolutely fine, but that's where I feel that sometimes he does let himself down. And I think against Crystal Palace, I thought that was a great example again. I thought 
why not try something different? They've got a back five and all we are doing is the same old what we've been doing for the last 60, 65 minutes and it currently isn't working. We bring, we bring better on and we continued to play the same way. Ultimately, we found ourselves a goal from a set piece and that's where primarily Everton get the majority of our goals from set pieces because we are pretty good in the final third from set pieces. But that's where I just feel, Paul, that Sean Dodge is lacking and I think he's done some really good things since coming into Goodison Park. Like I said, I think he's done some really good things. And he's had to deal with a hell of a lot, more than what the average manager has to deal with. He's had to deal with Ian Wone and Steve Stone. I include them two in that as well. They've had to front a lot. And I think they've handled things with, with a bit of class, in fairness. Um, and, I'm, and again, this isn't me advocating for Sean Dyche to be sacked whatsoever, because I think right now, Sean Dyche is the man. There's, I, I re- really, really do. And I think Everton would be stupid and brain dead to get rid of Sean Dyche right now. First and foremost, because who do you even go get? And who would even want the job? And second of all, because the facts the facts. If you give Everton their 10 points back, Everton are sitting mid-table and sitting quite pretty. And we all would have bitten your hand off at the start of the season for that. But he does have his flaws, doesn't he, Sean Dyche? I know you're a fan. And that's fine. But he, he, he does have his flaws, doesn't he? Yeah, but I think just like every every manager or every person that every everyone in the world has flaws at some in, in some aspects of their of life or of their work or maybe when you were a student, everyone's got things that they're not as good at. Daesh probably is that what you mentioned about sometimes not being a bit more kind of ball and go going for the game and really yes the palace were there for the take and they they didn't look good. They didn't have to look great for us to to, to give them give them a point. I think it was hard to see that right hand side yesterday for me. I think Ben Godfrey, a centre half who can do a job as a can as a defensive fullback. Ashley Young who's 38, 39 now, playing at right wing when he, he has been playing fullback for the last, what, 10 years of his career or something similar. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It is frustrating, obviously. We all want Dice to to do better at some points. I think some of the criticism may be a bit overboard. If Dominic Carver-Lewin scores one of his two others, we're probably not even mentioning Dice and, and uh, Everton's performance. But it's what it is. Games are decided by goals and we can't seem to, to score enough at the moment. And 
that's probably something that Dyson is staff have really, really got to work on. Work on, sorry, they've got to work on getting these players sharp and confident in front of goal. I know that's that's something that can be worked on. Obviously, you can't then physically teleport and put the ball in the net when when you're playing Brighton away on a Saturday, for example. But mm. I think there's stuff on the training pitch that you can do with them mentally and footballing wise to get them in the best kind of mental and physical condition and prepare to when they come across situations like we have been coming across in the last few weeks where we haven't been able to, to finish our chances. That's a fair comment, Paul, excuse me. I, I do also believe that the point deduction is having an effect and, and we can all sit here and say, well, it shouldn't. The players are the players. They should be professional and I, and I, and I do get that. But the game against Crystal Palace, it was a clear example of how a points deduction impacts matches of football or a game of football. You know, let's be honest, that game should have been a relatively stress-free match for Everton. And instead, it's a, it's a six-pointer where the Everton players are a bag of nerves, the crowd are a bag of nerves. We probably approach the game cautiously, wrongly, but we approach it cautiously with the setup, the personnel, because we're afraid to probably lose the game. It, it, it is it is tough. It is tough. And, and just touching on the personnel, Paul, why do you think he started with Ashley Young at right wing? What, why do you think he did that? Because there was no need to do that, was there? And th- again, this isn't a personal attack on Ashley Young, but he's a 38-year-old fullback now coming to the end of his career. He was once a, a, a tricky winger with pace, but he hasn't been that really for probably six or seven years now. He is now a fullback, a converted fullback, who is well disciplined, knows his positioning, and is reasonably structurally sound. He's not a winger anymore. He hasn't got pace to beat a man. He hasn't got pace to press a man. He doesn't have the energy. And again, I wouldn't have the energy at 30 yet. I haven't got the energy now to, to, to play that role. So why do you think that he persisted with Ashley Young in that role when he had Jack Harrison on the bench and he and again, for all of his faults recently, Jack Harrison, he is still a better option than Ashley Young. Some fans wanted to see Lewis Dobbin. There's a lot of patron members, uh, a lot of fans on social media talking about Lewis Dobbin. Why not give him a go in that sort of game? I can see the logic. I probably wouldn't have myself. I probably would have gone with Harrison, but I get the logic. But that right-hand side, do you... Do you are you shaking your head? That right-hand side, I think it was absolutely criminal to start a home game against Crystal Palace with Ben Godfrey, who's a centre-half at right-back, and then a 38-year-old full-back playing him as a winger as well. I thought, Paul, from Sean Dyche, that is all on him. Simple as that. I think it just nullifies 50% of our attacks because <clears throat> all we could then attack f- through is the left-hand side and obviously you saw Tarkovsky probably overhitting the switches from from his right-centre-half position to, to in behind with Michalenko and McNeil. But yeah, why did he play Ashley Young? I, I wish I could tell you. Unless Harrison wasn't one hundred percent fit or not deemed to start, or he was anything. fine. Yeah, he was fine. It's, I did check that out. Yeah, yeah he's, he's got I to play. He's got to start. Really, has he? I don't yeah. know. You can you can argue Harrison deserves well needs a bit of a break, a bit of a bit of rest, same as McNeil. But if you are to make that decision, and one of the wingers comes out for me, the one that comes in would have had to be Lewis Dobbin. Just some pace, some energy, something that's not expected. Palace brought a few of their kids on yesterday. I don't know why we can't do the same. Obviously, Chimiti, Dobbin, they players that are exciting talents or players that have got energy and players that will 
that will chase every ball for you because they're just excited to be to be playing and try want to kind of make an impact. But yeah, I don't have no actual explanation as to why Ashley Young started, but I mm. would agree with you. I think I do to that actually this morning. So I still can't believe that right hand side yesterday was absolutely criminal. No, yeah, I agree with you. And I think that is a stick that obviously a lot of fans will beat Sean Deutsch with over the next few days. Moving on from, from the right hand side of the team, James Garner has came out and spoke about the booze at half time and has said that basically the fans need to stick with the team. Where do you stand with with James Garner coming out and, and speaking about the booze at half time? Because there was quite a lot of booze at half time, wasn't there? Yeah, but <clears throat> it's one of them this this happen. we players know what they come with with a passionate fan base. We have expectations, we <clears throat> we try and have as high standards as we possibly can and if people think that the players aren't up for it <clears throat> I'm not nobody to tell someone what to do at the game I I didn't boo I didn't personally really like booing unless let's say you've got a former player going back let's say Anthony Gordon <clears throat> sorry and you want to give a bit of a of a hostile reception or when Barkley came but stuff like that when you want to give hostile reception or to the opposition but to my own players are very rarely very, very, very rarely kind of worried, but I'm not nobody to tell you, tell Ben or tell anyone at the ground what to do. They pay their, their ticket there and say, so I can see what James Garner means. It doesn't, it doesn't help the players, but at the same time, the players need to help the crowd too. The players need to give the crowd something to feed off and then yeah. make make the car go with the player so I, I can see both sides of the I argument I think it's frustration mate I think I think it is frustration from Garner that he never played well and he never won but I, I think I understand this point and I, but I think it wasn't I personally wouldn't have made the comments even if you think it I think but it's what he one said, of them. yeah well what he said was I can understand the fans frustrations but there is so long to go and we need the fans to be supporting us and not booing us that is important going forward they were James Garner's comments post-match. Everton won, Crystal Palace won. I understand he's, he's made them comments, obviously, in the heat of the moment yeah. and frustrated, but I think, even if you think that, I think James Garner should probably not not really keep them to himself, but use different wording for it because I think it's it comes across as, in a way, as Garner himself probably doesn't want it to. <clears throat> and, yeah, it's it's just... Disappointing and unfortunate that we couldn't get the win, and then obviously everything leads from that. So one of them, I'm sure, I'm sure James Garner will then be praising the fans in a in a few weeks' time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And again, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a double edged sword, isn't it? Really, you know, fans have a right to to display their their displeasure. That's up to them. Absolutely, I'm not one to boo. I'll be honest. Um, but I, I totally get if if fans want to boo or, or voice their displeasure, that, that's up to them. They're entitled to do that. You buy a ticket, you can do as you please, so to speak. Uh, but I do think James Garner's comments were born out of frustration, really, over Everton's failure to win the game. If Everton would have won 2-1 and scored a dramatic late winner, these sort of things don't come out in the mud, do they? They, they go out in the wash, they don't. Um, what comes out is a fantastic performance in terms of character and grit to grind out a victory, and that and it's fine margins, isn't it, in a game of football, and that that's what kind of happens. Um, but I, again, I I do kind of understand the, the frustrations. Paul, looking ahead, Everton play Brighton on Saturday. 
And then we have West Ham back at Goodison Park. Got to win one of them, surely. Got to win one of them. Well, I think, obviously, because we, we haven't won against Palace, you can argue we've got to get at least four points from these two games. And then from that kind of period of City, Spurs, uh, Palace, West Ham and Brighton, you've got six points. I think that's positive. But yeah, got to try and at least get three or four points from these next two games. Hopefully then, Tuttle will get a bit of a helping hand from the commission, which at this moment in time looks like they won't even ever make a decision. But but yeah, we need to we need to start getting wins because I feel like this team just needs a win to then get the confidence back into the group and then try and maybe go on a on a little run of form and results because at, at the moment you can just see the confidence round the round the squad that's just completely gone. But this there's just I think there's still positives to take from from performances. Not many from yesterday but especially last week at at a at City, so yeah, need to get one or one win at least from these two games, and hopefully, at least a draw to keep building. Paul, did you agree with Abdul Decore starting the game against Crystal Palace? Obviously, back from a, a hamstring injury, he's had two hamstring injuries in different in different legs now. Did you agree with throwing him straight? And I know it's hindsight, and and you know you can always look back and think, well, should he have started? Shouldn't he have started? But Abdul Decore looked miles off the pace, didn't he? Did you agree with Sean Deitch? being so tempted to, to throw him in given just how he is important to Everton's setup. I think given the circumstances Everton find themselves he had, he had to play him. Yeah. I think we've said if he's fit enough to play he's got to start. We've said that in the past. I think if Everton were four or five points clear of the relegation zone he probably may have he, he may have not started. Probably would have came on for the last 20-25 get some match fitness in him and then start down at Brighton. But due to the predicament of Everton, he really he had to start, and I think I didn't personally think he, he he was miles off the off the pace. But I think every time he the ball was near him, he, it looked like something could potentially happen. I think he was our only our only option of anything kind of happening. He was trying to put McNeil in a few times. I think he was really unlucky not to put Ashley Young one v one in the first half, and he had also a volley first half that that went. Just wide off the post, but but yeah, I think looking back now, you probably say he shouldn't have started due to his performance. But in the predicament of it, and in, I don't think it was the the wrong call whatsoever. I I probably would have made the same call. Mm, yeah, like I said, I think it's hindsight, and again, that was on social media. Should Abdul Dukuri have started the game? I get why he did, and I get why Sean Dyche thrust him straight. In. I, I I do get that one, just given how important he is for Everton and. But it didn't work. Like I say, he, he wasn't up to up to pace. He wasn't match fit. It, one of them, it could have worked. It might not have worked. Heading down to Brighton. We're not going to do pre-match Brighton now, but heading down to Brighton. Do you expect changes, Paul, for, for Brighton away? Yeah, I'd expect at least. I'd expect at least Harrison and O'Neill as they come into the into the into the start eleven. I think Amadou O'Neill. He's we've said before. For me, he's, a, he's one of our one of our best players. Never mind just midfielders. I think. He, offer, he offers so much to the team in possession. I think he's always asking for the ball. He's willing to take risks with the ball. He drives. He's always obviously coming to get it from deep from the centre-halves. I think obviously defensive, we know his his defensive capabilities, his long legs that to come into tackles from behind, his interceptions. And he allows you to move up the pitch and 
he drives with the ball and he allows the team to get higher up the pitch. So yeah, for me, I'm doing around a definite starter and Jack Harrison should for me mm. come into the eleven in place in, in that right wing place and then you can decide if you want to stick with Godfrey or go another alternative at right back. Mm. Would you stick with Godfrey? Probably not. I think if Coleman's available and fit, I'd probably go with Seamus Coleman. Mm. I think well, Coleman wasn't in the squad. No, I know, but, I mean, Palace, but if, yeah. if he was to be available mm. and, and fit on Saturday, I would, I would go Coleman. Mm. Okay, and there we have it, guys. That is all the latest news coming out of Goodison Park and Finch Farm. That's all the fallout from Everton's 1-1 draw against Crystal Palace. We'll be back very, very soon, very, very soon, shall I say, with all the latest news and all the latest talk coming out of Goodison Park. We're expecting things to heat up, as you can imagine, and we'll be right here for it. In the meantime, take care and all the very best. Thank you. Mm.